five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh. This is the WDMA.org. <clears throat> here about Greetings, Bill Nye here. Today, I'm made of plastic, recycled plastic. Now, if I told you that climate change brought on by a warming world is not a problem, you'd probably say, Bill, have you lost your head? If we can recover and recycle that. plastic, we can not only keep it from becoming trash, we can use that plastic again and again. It's an amazing material. What's more is that when we use recycled material, we also reduce our carbon footprint. What okay, so anyway, Bill Nye has this two and a half minute. You can watch it. I'll try to put the link up or I'll put an article that has the link in it. And um, we have the link over here. They The hustle bashes it quite significantly um, because it basically says that uh, questionable Coke ad, because over the life of Coke, in the, since recycling has started, they've produced, no, each year they produce 33.3 million tons of plastic uh, packaging, or they use it, put it out there. <clears throat> and... Uh, over the six-year history of recycling, less than 10% of the plastic that has been produced has ever been recycled. Okay, and Bill's video goes on to show all the steps that are involved in cleaning the recycled trash and making it usable again. And generally, the plastic, if it's recycled at all, gets put into something like um, weatherproof siding or furniture, outdoor furniture or that kind of thing, something that isn't going to be, you know, for human consumption. But the real question is, does plastic recycling help the environment? And it's a, it's not an easy question because as you can see over here in the, uh, oops, I clicked the wrong thing. As you can see in this picture to my right here, uh, the, Plastic comes from petroleum products, but it's the long string carbons that are made into plastic. Okay, it's not the it's not the gasoline or the or the or the motor oil. It's stuff way down below that, just above the tar. And so the truth is that it it doesn't really keep you from pulling more oil out of the ground. Um, it's kind of the leftovers of what's of what isn't turned into gasoline uh you know there's there's tons of tar if you want to pave roads with it man it's a great it's a great like the leftovers are great the gasoline is tricky to get well we won't get into that too much but notice that the new climate report 2022 came out now this is needs to be put into context with another european economic impact uh, i mean another uh, united nations economic impact report which said that in the next, mm, by the year 2020, by the year 2021, uh, the economic impact of global warming will only be 10%. So the global economy in the last 100 years has risen like a thousandfold or a hundredfold or something like that. Let's just give it a guess, a hundredfold. So in that picture, the, the, the economy will probably grow 40 times or something like that, 30 times, some really big number. Uh, and in that, only 10% impact of, of global warming. In addition, the question, it's becoming more and more questioned whether the CO2 has anything to do with it. And if not, 
does mankind have that much to do with it? When the pandemic reduced output, uh, reduced driving, and the and the particulate pollution was reduced, the world actually got warmer as the sky got clearer. Now, there's something to think about, right? One of the main drivers of of the the, the temperature on the ground is how 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 cloudy is it? How how foggy is it? How much particulate is in there? And of course, volcanoes are a big driver of that. But that said, <clears throat> now you can have carbon neutral direct mail. And I'm not going to pan this because, you know, <clears throat> the truth is that the carbon story has been <clears throat> pitched all over the place. And so if you're a nonprofit, uh, you may be able to benefit. I mean, this is another thing you can test, you know, benefit. Um, by sending out carbon-neutral direct mail. Um, Steve Falk, my friend, sent me this the other day, <clears throat> that they did this study, and they found what the carbon footprint of a letter and an envelope were. Okay, and, and then they decided that they were going to have, uh, for every direct mail piece they produced, they were going to do a, a net uh, zero carbon offset. And so, you know, again, if you're the Sierra Club or something like that that makes a lot of money on talking about uh, CO2 reduction, then um, this would be for you. Uh, Steve has a wonderful print company. They do a lot of print-on-demand and triggered print and a lot of greeting card-type print, um, executive handwriting, that kind of thing. Uh, they're obviously – they're in Canada, but they can – ship into the United States and effectively reach the United States as well. So a lot of European, um, a lot of European companies use them because they're, you know, up in the Northeast like that. Easy to access. Uh, Prime Data is a privately owned Canadian MarTech company. For more information, go over to, UW, go over to WDMA.org, subscribe for free, and you can get in the user area and you can get Steve's phone number and all the rest of it or pause this and you can read it right there okay this is from patrick carroll and patrick uh is at sequel response up in minneapolis and they do some great articles and found out some stuff from this it's a fairly long article so again you may want to go over to wdma and register to look at this one the millennials and the gen z uh so that's uh, it gives the dates here, 1981 up until 2012, I think. If you connect those dots up, you end up with, yeah, 2012. Pretty good, huh? You end up with 42% of the U.S. population. Now, the tail end of the Gen Zs are not going to be, you know, they don't have a lot of spend, but they do have influence on the spend. Um, and so there were some surprising things. They represent a buying power of 7 140 billion and climbing. My kids, who I guess would be millennials, yeah, my well, my first daughter was born in 19, no, no, she was born in 1985, so she'd be right in the middle of that, and uh, all the rest of them would be born before this. So right there, they're buying houses, and uh, two of them bought houses this past year, and. Um, full-time jobs and you know so they're yeah they're doing okay they're making their way in the world they're not moved in they haven't moved back to my house that's all i care about 
And um, Gen Z, millennials and Gen Z love direct mail. They find traditional mail to be a refreshing break from the always-on digital. It's a good excuse to sip a cup of coffee and see what's what. Look through your catalogs. We got a beautiful catalog the other day. Serena and Lily. And what's interesting about this is I was complaining that I wasn't getting any. I looked this up because it was mentioned in one of the articles. I mean, it's just gorgeous stuff. And as far as I know, I did not ask them to send me a catalog. And they did. Now, you know, I would love to test against, you know, test this beauty with no real response, to no prices. Well, there are prices, no copy, no measurements, no nothing. I'd love to try an alternative, a little more, tra a little more traditional. But you know, who knows? At least a QR code, so I, if I do have a question, I can go find the product somewhere. Anyway, so millennials and direct mail are—they've lived through recessions. They're sensible buyers. I, my kids are probably more sensible than I am, although they do kind of click Amazon and just go get it done sometimes. But they do look at reviews and things. 95% of millennials want brands to actively court them with personalized and promotion and promotional messages. You got to be careful with this. You know, we really should go over to that uh, that source. I'm gonna check it out because my thinking is, if you ask me, would you do you care more? Would you are you more likely to buy something you're interested in or something you're not? Well, that's pretty easy. Well, I'm gonna buy something I'm interested in. Right. I don't know to buy something I'm not interested in. I didn't know that it ex existed. So there's a sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy, depending on the way you ask the question about, you know, the truth is, is that I don't know what I'm interested in next. That's the truth. So whatever personalization you do, be careful, because oftentimes a good offer beats highly targeted personalization. You can test that. I've tested it over and over and over. It's really, really hard. Once you, like a, a good catalog has a density of information that's unsurpassed. And uh, the, you know, like a book, a book has a lot of, a lot of thought in it, you know, compared to a, an ordinary average website. So, you know, we tried and tried and tried to get, to, to figure it all out. And and just because I didn't figure it out doesn't mean it can't be figured out. But what we found was is that a catalog, a good solid, a good solid variety of, it, of of product and information, you know, to to an interested audience was much more likely to get a response than a single item promoted like crazy because you think that that's definitely something they're interested in. Now, if they left it in a shopping cart, that's another story. Okay, I love this part. Flatter this generation with personalized. Welcome and re-engagement direct mail advertisements. Well, there's a lot, like to said, there's a lot of content in here. We're only about halfway done. And so, Patrick, thank you for the great article. And, um, you know, I really like to hear more about SQL up there. It's, you know, right in my backyard. Uh, and I'll be up there shortly. So maybe I'll look you up. Let's, let's connect. Have a great day. Like and share. Direct mail is the way to reach the millennials and the Gen Z and also the way to save the world.